1: Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com.
2: Straight up 4 o'clock. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL WFIL.com. We are jumping into the program early because we have a very special guest going to be joining us. Kevin Max, formerly of DC Talk, who's also done a bunch of solo records. We'll be checking in shortly First, check on the forecast. Going to about 49 this afternoon. Eventually clear skies. Low 30. Kind of cloudy tomorrow. High around 53. Phils beat the Braves yesterday. Swept them over the weekend. Nice start to the season. Bryce Harper and Andrew McCutcheon each with a home run. Jake Area picking up the win. And uh, they are now heading to Washington to play Bryce's former team. Flyers lost three zip to the Rangers yesterday. They were officially eliminated from the playoff picture over the weekend. They just have several games left. One more at home this coming Saturday night against Carolina. Sixers at Dallas tonight at 8.30 And March Madness. We have the Final Four all set, Auburn and Virginia and Texas Tech. And Michigan State will play this coming Saturday evening. Uh, the first game at 6.09, the second one at uh, 8.49. Tonight at 8 o'clock on the History Channel, it's Jesus, His Life, an eight-episode miniseries underway. It premiered last week. Continues the next couple of Monday nights and tonight as well, two episodes per evening. The miniseries looks to give a 360-degree portrait of Jesus from eight different perspectives of those who are very much connected to him one way or another, including his father Joseph, his mother Mary, John the Baptist, Peter, Judas, the disciple, of course, who betrayed Jesus, Caiaphas, the high priest, Pontius Pilate as well. The miniseries also features a diverse group of contributing scholars, faith leaders, and theologians, adding their perspective each episode a different biblical figure takes a turn guiding viewers through the story from jesus birth death and resurrection all conveyed through a combination of scripted drama and interviews with prominent religious leaders and historical experts again it's jesus his life an eight episode miniseries continuing tonight on the history channel starting at eight o'clock this evening it's a couple minutes after four we are going to take a very short break and then we're going to welcome kevin max again formerly of dc talk and has done a lot of solo albums since then. they will be our a big guest today on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com.
1: It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening.
2: It's 4.03. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com. And we're bringing in Kevin Max, formerly of DC Talk, on the show.
3: concho Hocken Pennsylvania? What the heck is that?
2: <laughs> That's concho to you, senor. concho wow. Yeah. When in doubt, use big words. Man, I've never
3: I've never seen anything like that. You know, I'm going through <laughs> Eastern Europe or something. I,
2: <laughs> I think it could be the name of your next album, concho Hocken Glad to connect with the one and only Kevin Max. Hello, my friend. How are you doing today?
3: Doing really good. <laughs>
2: Good. Well, it's been a while trying to connect with you, and I'm glad it's working out. I want to give people a chance to get up to date with what's happening with you and your life and your music for just a quick backdrop, a little bit. We can spend a couple minutes on the, the DC Talk days. Folks will certainly remember those days and then travel along the path and see where we are today. As far as the DC Talk music era, founded at Liberty back in the 80s with Toby and Michael. And uh, I remember, I'll just tell you this as a quick story. I remember a girl who came up to me at Penn State where I went and she had uh, like two tone hair, like black black with like uh, this uh blonde top, and she's like, You gotta hear this. And it was the uh the very first uh CD or I guess cassette that had heaven bound on it. And she was always on the cutting edge of stuff. So I was like, This is really good. I was a DJ, I thought, wow, where'd you get these guys? So uh <laughs> come a long way since then, obviously. Talk about if you would, uh your first, you know, encounter with Toby, with with Michael, how you guys came to be. Uh, D C talking in those very formative years.
3: Yeah, well we started uh hanging out as friends at Liberty University. I mean to backtrack just a little bit from that. I went to Liberty um, after going to several college for weekends. My parents were, you know, really into me going to a Christian college. I, I wanted to go to New York. And study drama. I didn't want to have anything to do with Christian colleges, and but they they were like really like no, you've got to do this. You've got to have a Christian education. It's going to be great, you know. I ended up going to Liberty because a friend of mine from from my high school had gone to Liberty, and she was close to my family, and she just like Kevin would love this school. It's it's not what you think, you know. And there's an there's a great music program, and he goes. In, she said in in fact, I'm dating one of the guys that's you know the only rock band on campus, and they're looking for a new lead singer, and Kevin would be amazing, and I've sent him Kevin's tapes, and he loves it, so it really had a lot to do with getting into a band okay <laughs> and and it uh, strangely enough, you know, I went up to Liberty for college for a weekend to try to figure out what it was like, and I loved it because it was so." It wasn't what I thought. You know, I thought Christian college, everybody's going to be walking around with Bibles and and uh, tree-piece suits, and it's going to be really conservative and weird. It was uh, the opposite of that. It was just like a lot of kids from all over the country, really fun atmosphere. I didn't know anything about Liberty. I didn't know anything about Falwell, you know? Yeah. And so... I got kicked out my first semester <laughs> and not surprising to a lot of people that knew me, yeah. but, um, you know, I just didn't fit into those legalistic rules that I found out very quickly after we, I moved into my dorm, yeah. you know, you couldn't listen to rock music, you couldn't wear your hair long, you definitely couldn't drink or smoke or anything like that. And so yeah. very easily found myself being booted from the university and, um, back home and my parents weren't very happy. <laughs> back and, so uh, soon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I told my dad, I said, Okay, look, I will try to get back in and I will I will adhere to these rules and I will really put my head down and really just try to try to finish this out because I know I, I want to respect you and I believe that, you know, this is a good education and this is what you want from me, I'll do it. It is more of a respect to my parents, you know? Yeah. Out of respect to my parents. And so the dean of men, after reviewing my letter of, "Hey, I've I've straightened up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to go off campus and do rock shows and and you know Take get two. in trouble. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll uh, stick to the rules." So they let me back in. The dean of men was very pivotal in that. His name was Dane Emrick. Hmm. Dean Dane, <laughs> yeah. um, like a great Dane. Right. Dane Emrick, and he, was. he he loved me and let me back in. And it was it was really cool because he he was instrumental in it because if it hadn't been for him it wouldn't have worked. The next semester I came back to Liberty, I met Michael and Toby and I was singing in this I was singing in a lot of on campus things like I'd sing for chapel services or I I'd, I'd put a little you know group together and we'd sing at little parties on campus, you know. Yeah. And news got around, I guess to Toby and Mike, that there was this guy that could really sing and blah blah blah. And I knew about Toby and Michael because they used to perform um, their rap stuff in, like, DeMoss Hall, which, you know. (laughs) Yes, right. Funny enough, that's your name. But, you know, it's like um, I started hearing about this rap thing where the white guy was the rapper and the black guy was the singer. And I was just like, that's really weird, you know. (laughs) Right. And so they approached me about singing for the thing. And I was just like, oh, I don't. I don't really get hip hop, you know, like I I really, I'm more into rock and roll. Right. Okay. I said, I like run DMC and I like the beastie boys, but that's about it. I don't listen to Dougie fresh or (laughs) grandmaster (laughs) flash. Right. But Toby was into, you know, he, he, he was into LL cool J and all this stuff. And I was kind of like, yeah, I'm I'm more into the Smiths and Duran Duran. So I don't know how that's going to work, but yeah, you know, I said, okay, I'll give it a try. And, and we we went up to Pittman, New Jersey and made a demo tape. And don't ask me how it was Pittman. That, that was a Toby connection. I guess he knew a friend that lived in Pittman, New Jersey that had a recording studio. And I remember the guy's name was Richard Hartline. And we made a demo with him, which became the first album, actually, because Toby had written all these songs. And Kate and I were just kind of singing on the choruses, and we were just kind of making it up as we went, you know. (laughs) And we put this little thing together. Toby sent it around the labels, and I remember Toby was living off campus at an apartment um, with a guy named Jay Sharp, and I think Michael inevitably moved in with him. Yeah. So they were living off campus because they're a couple years older than me, and I remember going over to their apartment and reading all these rejection letters, you know, <laughs> it's pretty funny, like, yeah. you know, hey, it's just not kind con- of, it's not what we're looking for right now, and I was like, yeah, g- big, big surprise, <laughs> you know, and it's, That's very it's, interesting. it's bizarre, you know, but along came Forefront, and Forefront Records out of Nashville, and they loved what we were doing. It was shocking, but at the same time, the three of us had performed around Liberty, and the the response was immediate. Like people loved it. And so I was kind of like, wow, this, you know, I had my doubts. Like, I was just like, I don't, I don't know if this is going to go, you know, it's like, I don't know if people are going to get this. But every time we played live, everybody responded like, I was like, wow. I mean, people really love this rap and singing thing, you know, it's yes. like a sensation. And, um, Forefront felt the same way. So we signed a deal with Forefront, got into a moving truck, and moved all of our stuff from Lynchburg, Virginia, to Nashville, Tennessee, and that was like my second semester of college so <laughs> I, I got I got in like two semesters. Toby had already graduated and was going for his uh, business degree when we got and Mike would Mike had been at school for a couple of years, I think.
2: You had gone in with the intent of however long you were going to be there with music. What was your major? Did you have it? Had you had to declare yet? Oh, man,
3: I was just like, I was clueless. I think my major was literally like... Poly (laughs) sigh. like I wanted (laughs) I didn't know what I wanted to do so I was like all right well a lawyer sounds good let me try let me try doing that but you had musical
2: the whole musical background that's what had drawn you to liberty in the first place the idea that you yeah well I
3: I could sing I could play the piano and so you know everybody was like but I wanted to be in a rock band
2: that was my aspiration
3: I mean when I first time I heard Queen in my little cassette player as I was mowing the grass in front of my house, I realized that's what I want to do. I had a very specific thing, you know, and I had started a band at Liberty called Justice for All. Which we had written a couple of songs, and um, in between my first semester and second semester, um, we played at PTL, at the Heritage Park at PTL. No way. Really? And the reason well, we got that gig is because, I don't know if you remember, but Jim Baker, when he got kicked out... Yeah. Falwell took over for a little bit.
2: That's right. I read the book. In Jim Baker's book, I was wrong.
3: Yeah. And so somebody at the school told us, hey, there's a spot for a rock band or, or a pop rock band to play Christian rock and Christian pop covers at PTL. And we're like, oh, we can do that. <laughs> you know I mean? And I didn't know anything, I didn't know like CCM music that well. Like I, I'd heard of Amy Grant. And I'd heard of, like, Michael W. Smith, and I'd heard of, like, Brian Duncan. But beyond that, I didn't know much, you know? Yeah. And so we went and auditioned to get this job, and we got it. So we spent a summer playing at PTL as a band. So we, we called ourselves Connection. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was like Connection Band. And... uh and then I wanted to change the name to Justice for All, but everybody's like, "Oh no, that sounds too like heavy metal or something." You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, I, I thought you and, were going yeah.
2: <laughs> to call it one semester at a time. <laughs>
3: yeah, easily, easily booted. You know, whatever, whatever. We just kind of made it through, and I remember that summer, Toby and Mike coming to visit me to to watch what I was doing because you know they we had struck up a friendship. And at that point, Toby and Mike had a cassette together um, where they had done two songs. And I remember listening to it and going, wow, this is this is weird. Like, I, I just don't even know how I, feel, how I feel about it.
2: But you were still and interested it, enough to stick with it, to, to investigate it, right? I mean...
3: Yeah. So, again, after that summer, we did a demo in New Jersey together, and I started singing with him just to see what would happen. So we get signed to Forefront... And we moved to Nashville,
2: and it was like
3: immediately on the road because the Forefront Records was managed by a husband and wife, Dan and Darlene and Brock, mm-hmm. and they were managing DeGarmore and Key and also running a label. So <laughs> there was a little bit of a conflict of interest there. Yeah. They had a really well-oiled machine happening with DeGarmore and Key and Jeff Moore in the distance and a couple other bands, right? Sure. And so... They signed us and immediately put us on the road with the and key and if you think about it, dagarmo and Key's music is very i'd say blues rock oriented, and so their crowds were very uh you know mid thirties uh the forties fifties um that loved rock and roll right you know right and then and then this rap group shows up and opens. <laughs> You know, with songs like Heaven Bound and, and stuff. And, and, and people were, at the very beginning, people were going, like, what is this? You know, But then we won that crowd over, as we seemed to do, wherever we went.
2: <laughs> could you explain that? Could you figure out why that was I, happening? I can't explain it. I, can't, I think it's
3: just like the three of us were great performers, and we knew how to perform and relate to people, and, and, the, and the music was interesting. And so people were just kind of like, I think kind of mystified, like, wow, what was that? What did I just see? That was that was interesting, you know? <laughs> yeah. And um, when we won over the DeGarmon Key crowd, then we jumped on a Michael W. Smith tour, and, and we won over his crowd, and we just kept, you know, like Pac-Man, taking over people's crowds <laughs> to the right. point where we just finally were ready for our own headliner. And, you know, we did a headline tour during New Thing with... The Newsboys, we we didn't know anything about these guys from Australia, but we had heard that they were, you know, like the hot thing in Australia, Christian rock band. And so we brought them over with us, and it was hilarious. It was like we were kind of meant to tour together. And they went from playing, like, garage rock, alternative rock, to, like, almost doing, like, hip-hop beats and dancing on stage. Right, right. <laughs> They took a page from what we were doing because you know what we were doing was so popular and, and of course, seemingly unstoppable, that they were just like we have to we have to do that. <laughs> yeah. So you know we had T-shirts that said DC Talk and then on the back it said Yo, you know, <laughs> and they started making newsboy shirts that said Newsboys Oi, you know, <laughs> and uh, so everything we did they did a they did a different version of it. It was definitely annoying, but it was also kinda of funny. It was like, you know, these guys are these guys are trying to win over America and you know, they did it by hard work and tons of touring. So that's it in a nutshell. And then after that was the free at last tour and we just kind the rest was kind of like history. We just kind of kept building, making better music. Yeah. Yeah. Becoming better performers.
2: Kevin Max, who spent a number of years with D C Talk and has released many solo albums since, as our guest today. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment. It's the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560WFIL WFIL.com.
1: Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560WFIL. Email D at wfil.com.
2: 420, Tim DeMoss Show, AM560WFIL, WFIL.com. Chat with, yeah. uh, chat with Kevin Max, who uh, has spent a lot of years with DC Talk and has done a lot of albums since those days. And I can just one other quick thing along with that. The, uh, we mentioned some of these names like Pittman, New Jersey, as well, within the WFIL broadcast area. Uh, DeGarmer and Key. My brother used to produce them in concert at times. They played the Trenton War Memorial. In Jersey, I remember helping produce that show. They actually ate dinner in our in our basement on our ping pong table. um, Catered like hoagies and stuff. And these are back in the early days. Uh, So these names you're throwing around and forefront records, of course, uh, you know, home to those artists you mentioned. All it's interesting to see these dots being connected and and uh, and even the Newsboys connection is kind of fun because they've had a a history of having a lot of um, fun with their music too. But it's neat to see the the synergy, like learning. Learning the professionalism was to put a good show on. That, that being a believer doesn't mean that your show should be substandard, but you should actually strive for excellence. So yeah, in any case, yeah,
3: that was our motto. We wanted to compete with general market. We were trying to compete with what was happening from REM to U two to you know to Beastie Boys or whatever was out there. That was you know, and by the time we made Jesus Freak, which is ninety five ninety six, you know, we were a full full time band as opposed to just three lead singers being fronted by a house band you know we were writing together we had definite ideas of where we're going to go and that's why the jesus freak record is so diverse i mean i was talking to somebody yesterday that was like yeah it's just like a grunge record and i'm like well you haven't really listened to it because there's (laughs) yeah there's a couple of grunge songs on there jesus freak obviously but that record was very diverse everything from pop to alt-pop, to pseudo-R&B, to, like, grunge rock, you know? It's kind of all there in one album.
2: Kevin Max our guest, formerly of DC Talk, done a lot of solo work as well over the years. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. When doing uh, concerts with DC Talk, are there any song or songs specifically from the Jesus Freak records you know you had to do that the that the crowd would not let you go home with peacefully if you had not done them?
3: Oh my gosh! I mean, there were so many. I mean, we had we had between you and me that was playing on top forty radio, right? And between you and me was also being played on MTV. I mean, um, Jesus Freak obviously made it to MTV and all that. So between between you and me and the light, Jesus Freak, Colored People. I mean, those were those are the four that we had to play at every show because you know they were big songs. I think we made a video to each of those. But the, the whole album, So Help Me God and Like It, Love It, Need It, and all of those songs were played, too, because that record was so just stacked with good tunes.
2: Kevin Max, our guest, uh, as we jump into the, the, the music you did post-DC Talk, just one last kind of question about DC Talk. Was there an aspect or two of DC Talk that you enjoyed uh, just because you liked it? Like you mentioned, the Jesus Freak record had a lot of diverseness to it or even stuff that might have been hard, like Conflict, as you guys are working on stuff that has served you in the years since?
3: I mean, I was always the oddball in my band just because I grew up listening to New Wave music, and I was more into The Cure and and The Smiths and and stuff like that than I was into hip-hop or pop music. So I really never really fit within the group. My tastes were more like European, British, British bands. And so when... You know, we did stuff like, I love rap music. I mean, I'm sitting there going, what is this, you know? I mean, but to Toby, he knew exactly what he wanted to do because he was fully immersed into hip-hop. So he he knew exactly what was going on. But I was just kind of like, all right, well, I hope people dig this because I don't, I don't know anything about it. And through the years, I kind of hadn't, I grew to appreciate, you know, really great hip-hop. But by the time we got to Jesus Freak, I was very excited and happy because we were starting to make music that, you know, I would buy myself. Like I'd listen to it myself. It wasn't just like, hey, I'm in a band that plays music that I'm trying to figure out. This is like I would buy this. When you were you know, in subsequently the- Supernatural, the yeah. last album that we made, that that's, that was my favorite record because, you know, all of us wrote on each song. Um, we influenced each song. I mean, and you can hear my influences on Supernatural more than any other record. Songs like "Consume Me" and "Dives," yeah, and "It's Killing Me." Those, those are those are songs that I've brought an influence to the table.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I was going to say, do do you think a lot of the interest that you've been able to explore since then, with uh, Stereotype B right through the present, they were inside you, kind of waiting to have an opportunity to be expressed, and and so therefore, once you wind up doing some albums, you know, separately you were able to just fully go for it and and enjoy the process of putting out different... Because, I mean, your albums have a lot of different... They're they're different in a lot of ways. So, you know, didn't you... Yeah, I mean,
3: absolutely. I mean, you know, I was... I mean, we spent a decade together. Yeah, there was a decade of ideas that were rolling around in my head that I really couldn't do with DC Talk because DC Talk was a different thing. It was a different vehicle. Right. So the songs that appeared on Stereotype B... You know, then between the fence and Un- in the universe right after that, and then the, the imposter. Those were songs that have been rolling around in my head, you know, for years, and I just knew that they were too European or they were too, uh, alternative for DC talk, you right. know? Right. And, and, uh, yeah, so I, yeah, I, stereotype B is basically kid in play, just being, I'm, I was able to just, not the group, by the way. Yes. <laughs> and I... The stereotype B was, was kind of like, an amalgamation of the Beatles, Radiohead, every you know, yeah. um, every new wave band I grew up on. I was able to do what I wanted to do, but the negative part of that was that everybody, you know, expected me to make this, you know, this great solo record. But nobody was there to kind of lean over my shoulder and go, "I wouldn't do that," or "I would do this," "I would mix this differently." I mean, I was just literally. Like a kid in a candy store, you do what you want. And I went over to Oceanway Studios, um, the biggest recording studio in Nashville. I was in the main room, you know, with Adrian Ballou on guitar and producing. Tony Levin from Peter Gabriel's band on bass. Matt Chamberlain from Fiona Apple's band on on drums. And I was able to just kind of do whatever I wanted. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that's the that's the sound of stereotype B.
2: Kevin Max, our guest today. Let's throw the title track from the first CD Did, he did, did post DC Talk, Stereotype B. It's on the Tim Demar's show on AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com
4: All in fading. Like a soul lost in the wilderness We're cold and we're cut off from it Not knowing where it's gonna end There's a star in Bethlehem It's calling you, it's a memory we made for the mecca of the insecure. The sign and the mark of the popular There's a new face on the television. It's a new host with the same. Good job, bro.
2: the sky, just like the apple of your daddy's eye. AM 560, WFIL. WFIL.com. It's Kevin Max, who spent many years with DC Talk and uh, released a lot of solo albums after that. And that was from the very first one, Stereotype B, the name of the uh, CD and the song there, B. We're going to take a short break. We'll continue our conversation with Kevin in just a moment. Quick check of the forecast as long as we're at the bottom of the hour here. Sunny, windy, high 49, the balance of the day. 30 for the low tonight with clear skies. Kind of cloudy tomorrow, high 53. Phils beat the Braves yesterday. Opened up their season with three straight wins. Nice way to do that. Bryce Harper, Andrew McCutcheon each with a home run. Flyers lost three zip to the Rangers. They're officially eliminated from the playoff picture that happened actually on Saturday. They have a few more games left before their season's done. Sixers at Dallas this evening, 8.30, and in the college hoops march madness the final four all set auburn virginia texas tech and michigan state all playing this coming saturday short break we'll continue our conversation with kevin Max on am 560 wfil wfil.com
1: live and local it's the tim demas show weekday afternoons four till five on am 560 wfil and at wfil.com our podcast continues
2: It's 434 on the Tim Demar Show. Thanks for tuning in today. Glad you can do so. We're going to continue our conversation with Kevin Max in just a moment. Uh, He's, of course, with DC Talk for many, many years, released a lot of solo albums since then. This coming Friday, there's a movie called The Best of Enemies coming to a theater near you. Features Academy Award nominee Taraji P. Henson and Academy Award winner Sam Rockwell. The Best of Enemies is a true story centering on a very unlikely relationship and later friendship between civil rights activist Ann Atwater, played by Henson, and C.P. Ellis played by Rockwell, a local Ku Klux Klan leader. They come from very different walks of life and hold very different views, as you might imagine. The story involves Ellis reluctantly co-chairing a community summit called a charrette, where there's a battle going on over the desegregation of schools in Durham, North Carolina. The Best of Enemies takes place during the racially charged summer of 1971, and as you might imagine, it's a drama, one designed to get people to think. I saw it a couple of weeks ago in a special screening, and that's exactly what happened. I left the theater quiet just thinking about what I had just seen. The Best of Enemies is rated PG-13. A true story hits theaters again this coming Friday. You may want to Google The Best of Enemies or go on YouTube. You can find a number of trailers to give you some visuals. Kevin Max, our guest, stereotypy, the first solo record, uh, and then there, are, I guess, I think nine more, or nine total, or ten, uh, depends. Uh, on No, more. no, try try fourteen. Fourteen that many now? I guess we're include, we'll include, uh, of course, Christmas, uh, Oh Holy Night, and some others, some other side projects. Well, actually, if
3: you include EPs and things like that, there's more. But you know, wow. I just recently on Instagram, because I'm putting out a, a collection of my songs this year. Um, it's called Black Sheep of the Fold. Okay. There's going to be, I think, 12, 12 songs from, from my career as a solo artist. But, I mean, I put up every record I've done on Instagram, and even Toby was like, man, I, I, can't, I can't believe you've you know, made that many records and produced that many records. And I'm like, yeah. My hardcore fans know all about them. You know, but yes. outside that, a lot of people don't know that I've made that many records because it's not really been on the radio and for some of the, these records, I never even went to get a label involved. You know, I put them out independently. Right. The last four records I've done, I, I've done through Pledge Music campaigns and we raised the money through Pledge Campaign and through Pledge Music through, through fans. And each time that I did it, I started with a, I started with an album called Broken Temples and we met our goal by 200% and since then, I've just kind of done it through Pledge Music. Now Pledge Music has kind of gone the way of the albatross, you know? Yeah.
2: Broken Temples was the uh, most recent one I bought a few years back. I remember liking it very much, and uh, I'll work on catching up on the few that have come out since then. Kevin Max is our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. As people perhaps investigate your music, get to know it a bit, uh, they should be aware that there's a lot of different styles that you bring to the table. One album is different from the next. And uh, speaking of which, I know uh, from knowing you over the years, you have rattled off Duran Duran, Peter Gabriel, a bunch of other influences in your music. Pick one or two. Share who and why uh, has influenced you in the music that you do. Yeah, I mean,
3: uh, I hate to say this because it's very cliche, but I actually... I had to go backwards with the Beatles because I got a John Lennon record first, and um, I listened to John Lennon before I listened to the Beatles, and I loved John Lennon. Hmm. And so I kind of went back to the Beatles, and they influenced me in a huge way, and that was as a kid growing up. And yes. then, like, Queen was a huge band that influenced me, U2 was a band that influenced me, um, and then I would definitely say the Smiths because I. I was a huge Smiths fan in high school. I don't know why I started listening to the Smiths. And it could have been something to do with a movie or something where they were referenced. But I picked up the first record by the Smiths that I, that I owned was Meet is Murder, which is kind of like right in the middle of their career. Okay. And I just loved this album. And so then I went and bought all their records and became this lifelong Smiths fan. Not the latest record I made, and the last record I just made is called Romeo Drive, and that's like a synth, that's a synth wave album. But the record before that was called AWOL, and uh, there's a lot of Smiths influences on that record. And in fact, I went and met up with Andy Rourke of the Smiths. He's the bass player for the band. Yeah. And he played on three songs on AWOL. Really?
2: Um, That's cool. Very cool. And
3: AWOL just, just won a bunch of awards. I mean... I was really, you know, surprised to see AWOL on this this Christian website beat out like Lauren Daigle and for King and Country and, <laughs> and Toby and all these people as like the best record of the year and wow. All of this stuff so, you know, there is a crowd for it that really digs it. Yeah. But you have to you have to look a little harder because it's not on the radio. It's it's too it's too weird for the radio. You know? Yeah.
2: Well, if you're ever going to see this, perhaps, you know, succeed in terms of commercially, you're you're in an era where, you know, there's a better chance of that. Now the world's so flat that, that people can share things and spread things. You don't have to, you know, yep. start from scratch. You got a full day. I just had two other questions for you. I respect your time. Um, one is just uh, you had a longstanding friendship with Larry Norman, considered by many to be the trunk of the Christian music tree, if you will, besides, of course, the Lord. Uh, just talk about Larry, how you met, what your friendship was like, what you learned from him or appreciated about him.
3: I loved that he was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm slightly crazy. So it's like, I don't know. We just connected like we, you know, one day we were talking about covering one of his songs in, in concert and we started doing wish we'd all been ready. Right. I remember that song being in some Christian propaganda film. Called "Thief in the Night," sure. which is all about like the rapture and stuff. And I, "This the most ridiculous thing ever," you know. And um, you know, but the song was really cool. And so then we met Larry for the first time, and I was just blown away by who he was. Mm. You know, just as a guy, as a as a human being. And we got all, we got along right away because um, I had long hair and I loved rock and roll. And he had long hair and he loved rock and roll. And we both were b- big uh, readers, and we talked about the books that we loved and. He just started, you know, ringing me up. Whenever he came to Nashville, he'd be like, hey, man, you want to go out to Tower Records and buy some albums? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it.
2: And that's just and how and so he would we'd have go, said it.
3: we <laughs> we go, go to Tower Records, and he'd buy me about three or four records, and I'd buy him about three or four records, and we'd go to dinner at the Palm Restaurant yeah. and have a steak and, and talk about stuff. And I introduced him to Adrian Ballou around the time that we were starting to make Stereotype B And Adrian was like, well, why don't you come in the studio with us and sing backgrounds on some songs? And so Larry came in and sang backgrounds um, on a song called On and On, on Stereotype B. And it was great. He was like, you know, this is how we did vocal stacks back in the 70s. And I was like thinking to myself, Larry, I've done vocal stacks my whole life in in D.C. (laughs) (laughs) I know know how to make harmonies, you know, but he was he was so great at what he did, that it was just, like, killer to, you know, watch him do his thing. And I went out to a few of his shows, and and he came, obviously came to a few of mine. And through the years we were friends, when his his health started failing him, I mean, I I was so busy. I was in L.A. at the time and always doing shows. And I, I have one regret, and that was that I didn't, you know, get in touch with him more or go visit him. So when he passed, it really hurt me. And um, since then, I've become really great friends with, with, with his son. And we talk back and forth all the time now. Mm. And his son lives in, in Oregon. And so when I went to Oregon to do a couple of shows just recently in Portland, he showed up and we, we hung out and we talked. And I said, I've always had this idea of doing of redoing only visiting this planet you know, covering the whole album. Yes. But making it sound like David Bowie meets T-Rex. And he was like, oh, man, my dad would love that, you know. Yes. And so the idea is there. And I've presented it to a few people, and they're just kind of like, huh. (laughs) It's kind of like, yeah, cool. Go go have fun, you know. (laughs) So I'm kind of looking for somebody that can champion it with with me because, you know, I feel like only visiting this planet was – was such a seminal album for Christian rock, let alone all rock and roll. I mean, it's like I don't see Larry as a Christian artist. I see him as an artist um, first and foremost that had a face that he talked about in his music. But he was he was made for general market. Like he was he should have been as big as U2. Or he should have been as big as you know the Pixies. These bands that you know yes. revere him.
2: I think people don't realize how gifted a musician he was because he was standing out so much as far as being a, a pioneer or the pioneer or whatever, and he's known for that aspect. But when I've seen him in concert and realized, man, he's gifted musically. He's gifted overall how he presents himself. I mean, he's he's not flashy, obviously. He's just – he's doing his own thing. But he's an entertainer, yeah. but he's, he's got a twinkle in his eye, and he knows what – he really wants to point people to the Lord, but he knows how to – the whole package. So – yeah, I have a
3: deep love for him as a human being and as an artist. And you know, at some point, I, I definitely will make this record. Maybe even next year. That sounds right great. Now I'm working on a Christmas album with Michael Tate, my old partner in DC Talk. We're making a full-on uh, jazz vocal Christmas album together, and we're kind of going for the crown of Bing Crosby. You know, <laughs> we used to we feel like we can we can we can add to the. Hot, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. Kevin Max, kind enough to join us on the Tim DeMoss Show. Back in just a moment with more on AM560 WFIL.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com.
2: 447, Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. We had Mark Martell, formerly of the Christian Band, down here on the program a few months ago. Mark uh, won the role of lead singer a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, Queen Extravaganza Tour has great vocal range. Do you uh are you a Mark Martell of Friends at all or have you know done the Queen Extravaganza Yeah, Tour? I
3: sang a duet with him on his latest album. He we he did um of course it was a Queen cover record. Um he he did uh uh the David Bowie Freddie Mercury uh duet. Under under pressure. Right, right. Um it was the song that Bowie sang with Queen. So I sing the Bowie parts yeah, that's his uh that's on his brand new album. So I I think I'm the only guest vocal on that
2: record. But. Well, you, you share a lot because Mark's been on the pro we had Mark on, um, last fall and, uh, he just, I think he did the hallelujah chorus by himself, 35, whatever, you know, recorded at 35 different times. And because your vocal range, obviously one of the things people, you know, will know about you if they're familiar with your music at all, is that you have that ability to jump all over and, and your voice is, is certainly a signature sound. I just want to ask you about that aspect of, of, uh, you know, your, your gifts and your, and, and how you've used it over the years. Was that something that you were gifted with and then you had to work with, or did you actually aim for stretching yourself from where you were, where you started out? That's a great
3: question. I mean, I, I, um, I find myself kind of trying to figure that out all the time. Like, um, I'm not somebody that studied the voice and then, through tons of vocal lessons and all that kind of stuff. I've taken vocal lessons as a college student, you know, but I, (laughs) I, I made my, you know, teacher very angry because they wanted me to sing like this classical stuff. And I was just like, I'm not into that, you know, I'm into David Bowie and the Beatles. So if you let me sing that kind of music, I'll be great. You know, but, um, and then I grew up, playing piano as a kid and singing in the choir and singing solos at at my local church and singing solos in my high school plays. And, you know, it wasn't until I think it was like my junior year of high school that I sang a big solo in a play and everybody started going, wow, that guy can sing, you know what I mean? And I started getting a lot of attention for it. And that kind of gave me the, the, the confidence to go, okay, this is what I want to do. Yeah, I want to sing for a living. Yeah. and so it's just—it's been a gift. It's been a gift that was given to me at a very early age, and and I, I've just kind of sung enough to the point where I felt like I've I've created something that's my own, it's very unique, and that's what everybody tells me whenever they come up to me. You know, you have one of the most unique voices, you know, on the planet. Blah blah blah. Yeah. I, I, sometimes I just I, I actually play that down even more than more than uh, than I should sometimes because I feel like well there's a lot of singers on the planet you know mm-hmm. think about how many singers there are I and mean, unique singers but I take that for granted sometimes and I'll go into sessions and I'll I'll sing for different artists or different people on different projects and they'll be like man I've never heard anybody that can sing like that and I'm like really <laughs> <laughs> so. It's always mystifying to me, really.
2: Well, I ask, Um, and I ask you because, not to sweep it away, like, oh, you just had it as a gift, you just show up, turn the mic on, and there you are, because there's obviously work involved to, at minimum, maintain, if not develop, so.
3: Well, it's like a guitar, it's like a guitar player that practices over and over and over again, and to the point where they've come up with their own style, I mean, that's exactly what I do with my voice, I've, I've practiced, I've sung, I've done so many live shows, and you know, I've come up with uh, with a unique a vibe on the, on my instrument. Yeah. You know, it's like um, I hate to use this example, but you know, if somebody like Johnny Moore and the Smiths, I mean, he practiced at his guitar all the time. Um, he came up with his own signature sound before the Smiths even started. And then when he you know started giving songs to Morrissey, I can only imagine Morrissey's delight at hearing these, these full on, you know, melodic, melodic things coming out of this guy's guitar. It'd be very easy to come up with songs, you know, because of a very specific style, you know, kind of almost on the other side of the fence, almost like a Eddie Van Halen, you know, Eddie, Eddie grew up with a gift to play guitar. I mean, he was playing drums first, right? Right. And then, and then his brother would, then he was just like, Hey, I want to play guitar and he jumped on guitar. And, you know, the moment he jumped on the guitar, he, he might not have been amazing, but he had a gift for it. But he's he's played and he's practiced and he's grown so much and progressed because of playing so much that he came up with his own style. And so it's very sim- similar to a vocalist. I think the more you sing, the, 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 the wider and the more diverse projects you do, then you'll uh, hone in on an actual style. You know, some people are gifted with more of a unique style than others. The sound of their voice and what they can do with their voice. And some people, no matter how much practice or how many times you sing, you know, it's not going to be necessarily unique, but it's going to be like a great voice. And that's what I think about when I hear a lot of these kids that are coming up through, um, you know, like The Voice or America's Got Talent and all that. It's like they're, they're all really good singers, but is it necessarily unique? I'm not sure because, you know... Most of the time I don't hear anything unique. Once in a while there'll be one that sticks out and you're like, Oh, okay. That's something I haven't heard before. Yes, So I think that part of it is a gift.
2: That's a very interesting take on things. Kevin Max, a uh, privilege to have him on the program today. Uh, as we wrap up, you've been blessed with a godly wife, beautiful kids. So can you just share a minute about what they're like, what they're into, do they like dad's music? <laughs> and all those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: That's funny. Yeah, I mean, you know, my kids come up into my studio and hear me singing all the time and playing music, and and they love what I do. You know, I don't try to push it on them, though. They like all different types of music. But, you know, once in a while, I'll play one of my songs in the car, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I love that, you know. No, they really appreciate what I do, and I think my 13-year-old daughter is starting to go, okay, I want to be a singer. And I'm like, oh, man. Okay, here we go. I mean, I say, what do you want to do? She goes, I don't know. I go, well? You got to pick the coolest person first, and then try to be cooler than them. <laughs> that, right. that that was my schooling. So I said, okay, I think the coolest person right now, vocalist female, is Lana Del Rey. I said, so you you listen to Lana Del Rey, the songs that I can play for her, right? And and you try to uh, be better than her, and then then you got to start.
2: <laughs> what did she say? She's looking she at big like, eyes. Yeah I'm,
3: yeah, I'm all in. You know, she's she wants to do it.
2: Are they doing right. any? Uh, are they into you know other stuff, uh, dance or sports or any? Uh, read a lot, poetry, whatever. My I mean. kids
3: are, you know, my kids are. They're. I, I'm very varied. I mean, I have a, I have a ten year old boy that's very smart. He's, in, he's into card, he's into card games and magic tricks right now. Okay.
4: <laughs> yes. And then
3: I've got my my other boy who's eleven, um, going on twelve. Uh, who's more of an outdoors kid? He, he wants to be on a skateboard or he wants to be on a bike, and, Fun. and he wants to make videos with his GoPro and all that. That's cool. And uh, and then my 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 daughter, like I told you, she's interested in music and writing. And then my seven year old daughter, I got four kids. I got my seven year old daughter, my littlest one. You know, she thinks she's a horse. So there's <laughs> that whole thing too. So
2: they do grow out of it. I can tell you firsthand. I mean, I guess you know yeah. you have the other three. I
3: don't know. I don't know if I want her to grow out of it. I huh. kind of want her to think she's a horse her whole life.
2: That, that would be interesting. It <laughs> would be know? interesting. And your magic trick son could be your opening act on the um, you know. <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean they 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 uh, they already have like a shtick together so it could it could work, you know.
2: That's so much fun to watch. We have five kids and from 20 to 8 and so all the stuff you just mentioned I mean a lot of it I it really resonates and and the, the different things they do and our two sons like to do videos. They have a YouTube channel and all different sorts of things. So and we have an eight-year-old daughter. Oh yeah, my, my
3: son wants a video channel so bad, and I and I said, and you know, here might be the difference between me and other parents. But I said, you've got to you've got to film something that's interesting to me first, and then I'll let you put it up. Hmm. I'm not going to have you film yourself playing, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. Fortnite, right. And then put it up. I, I, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Said, if you come up with something cool. Then then I'll start your own web page. So maybe maybe he's got it harder with me, because I'm in the entertainment industry. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's tougher because his dad's very critical. It's uh, good for him. Yeah, I don't know.
2: <laughs> well, God bless I think you. Know. all those
3: kids' websites are really crazy. Like I, I just, I'm I, I, you gotta be kidding me. Oh. Like there's 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 eight million views on somebody talking about opening up presents.
2: Yeah. yeah. You
3: know, (laughs) it blows my mind.
2: By the way, before I forget, (laughs) is is there a, is there a best way for folks to keep up on Kevin Max music? Is it KevinMax.com best way or on Facebook or what would you recommend? Not
3: really. I mean, you know, websites, websites aren't that great anymore. Yeah, I mean, they can go to KevinMax.com and it'll, all my music is there. I mean, they can go through my discography or they can see what dates I'm playing and that the, the general information is there. They want to book a show, they go to kevinmax.com and look under booking, and, and all the information is there. Okay. Um, I'm on Facebook, you know, I'm on Twitter under Kevin Max, I'm on Facebook under Kevin Max, I'm on Instagram under Sir Kevin Max. Um, the uh, I do have a Facebook group called Feastum of Kevin Max, okay, which is based on that book, Feastum of Angels, which I wrote, and um, we're growing. It's like about 2,500 people now, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, I'll get on there all the time and just talk about stuff. And so that's probably where I communicate the most. Okay. Like I, I, I get on Twitter here and there and you know have fun, but um, Feathom of Kevin Max on Facebook is is if you really want, like, the day-to-day stuff, that's where to go.
2: And we, and we uh, post podcasts of, of our shows here so people can run through those things after the fact if they are driving and don't have a pen. So uh, people are welcome to go to WFIL.com, click the podcast page, and you'll get to it. Kevin, it's a privilege talking to you. I'm cool. glad we could catch up, man. And it's great to hear yeah, man, you too. so much. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll, we'll catch up again down the road. I, I know you're doing the tour. I think you're doing a cruise this summer, right, with the, with the group again for fun. So maybe... We're
3: doing a cruise, and then I'm, in the fall, I'm going on the road with my buddy, Michael Tate.
2: That will be great. Um, we'll keep an eye out for this. I'm
3: showing up on his tour his boys and, and singing the songs that I sang with them, you know, I sang on, I sang in the bridge on God's Not Dead. I sung on their new album. Right. Um, of course, he plays Jesus Freak every night, so I'm going to be playing, performing Jesus Freak with him. And I'm probably going to do one of my songs off of one of my weird alternative records, you know. It's so, only fair. So all these Christians that have never heard what alternative rock sounds like will get it, you know.
2: <laughs> That's good. We'll keep an eye out for that. Maybe we'll connect down the, uh, down the road later in the year.
1: <laughs> sounds good. All right.